Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. It's a big day today as I am joined by the president of Evolution Hospitality, Mr. Will Loughran. Will, thanks so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join me. I really appreciate it. Thrilled to be here, Brian. It's great to see you. Now, first off, I want to uh, congratulate you on your recent promotion to president of Evolution. I can't think of anyone better as you know, I was very fortunate to spend some time with you, albeit not probably long enough, but or maybe it was too long for you. Quite but, the opposite. We, we we felt our time with you was too short, but it was a privilege to work with you, Brian, yeah. and, and uh, we miss you today. Oh, that's very kind. So for those of you who are out there listening, Evolution Hospitality is this great company out in San Clemente, California, one of the best places in the world to live. And it was a great time there. So, well, let's go back. And how did... How did it all start for you in the hospitality industry, Will? I mean, how did how did you get into things? It, it's interesting. I, I just told this story the other day. I actually was a political science major in college and dating myself immediately here in <laughs> uh, the late 80s at our university. I was the lead campaign organizer for Gary Hart, the... Oh, wow presidential at the time, the presidential front runner, the Colorado Senator. And he was just, you know, racing towards the white house and they had hired me to come in and work after I graduated down in the Denver office. And as you know, he was one first big celebrities to get snagged on a, I'm sure there was many celebrities that had been caught before on film, but it was kind of the paparazzi thing. He was on a ship with a a young lady that he was not supposed to be with and uh, overnight the the campaign was done and so so i came in cleaned out <clears throat> cleaned out the office in the uh you know student union where i had uh, all the heart campaign stuff and did not know what i was going to do then a week later i went to a job fair that was hosted there on campus and i met some of the marriott recruiters i had a relative that was in the business and after meeting the marriott recruiters. I, I called my aunt who ran a hotel in Virginia Beach. And I said, Hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm about to graduate. <laughs> my plans fell through. And she said, if you can get on with uh, anybody, if you can get hired by Marriott, do it. They have the best training programs and it would be fantastic. So, so uh, long story short, that was my, my shift that all happened in about a week and began my hospitality career. So what was your first gig with Marriott? Was it a trainee or did you actually start at a position? I was a trainee. I was, uh, back then we called them IDs, Marriott Individual Development Programs. 
And they were essentially, I'm trying to remember, 16 weeks going in and working in every department. And you had a, a manual, your ID manual that you had to carry around, big, huge three-ring binder. You know, I would have to go and spend a week cleaning rooms, working in housekeeping. And, and then with the housekeeper, sit down and ask the questions. I had to go through and ask the questions. And then the GM would sign my papers at the end of the week. And, oh, wow. And so it was really a pretty great program and had a nice balance of not being too in the weeds, but yet still I cleaned a lot of rooms and I chopped a lot of onions and I, you know, did a lot of things, getting a real flavor for it. But I kind of spent my first year or so really working in the front of the house, you know, front desk operations and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you eventually moved into sales, right? Because that's, I think, where you kind of... I did. I, after a couple moves in operations, I actually had a unique opportunity. Marriott was starting their first round of revenue management training. And they took, I think at the time, it was about 25 of us across the country that were in all different disciplines, but, but showed some aptitude for the revenue management arena. And they brought us in and we were a bit of a beta test and we went through some really extensive training. I mean, we went through leadership training, cross-discipline training, financial training, and then they started actually teaching us revenue management principles. I mean, so at the time, if you go back to, you know, the late eighties, this was, we were kind of transporting airline revenue management technology into the hotel business. <clears throat> so it was very manual and very different, but they took a little group of us and said, let's, let's take this group and really try to teach them airline revenue management leadership and upgrade the position from res manager to this real kind of strategic role. So I benefited tremendously through all of this initial rollout by Marriott of the revenue management arena. So it was kind of an interesting leadership opportunity for me. From there, yes, I moved into the sales arena, spent a number of years, you know, moving around the country in, in the sales arena and got transferred at one point into New Orleans where we had the big 1300 room convention hotel in New Orleans and was a, a sales position there, led a small sales team and decided to go back to school to work on an MBA while I was there. Got accepted to Tulane University and my GM at the time, a guy named Steve Sharple, asked if uh, I'd have any interest in going back into revenue management for a couple of years while I went back to school and that would keep me off the road from traveling. And, and what I didn't know is that during the, that exact same time frame that we were going to open up 13 more Marriott hotels in the market <laughs> of which I became responsible for all of them. <laughs> wow. On the revenue management side? On the revenue management market strategy, how do we deploy sales revenue management to them? So I kind of moved into a, a market strategy role all the while while I was going to school. and But it was a, a great experience nonetheless. So do you remember, because I was trying to figure this out the other day, we were talking to a friend, how many times you moved during your time before you got into a corporate type role? Boy, I would have to say I moved at least seven times before I was really in a corporate role. Yeah, I, I think we calculated, my wife and I, that it was 12 times 
before I got into corporate. And then one more time when I moved, because I was working for corporate out of Indianapolis, but I finally got moved to Stanford. And, you know, you talk to the people coming up now, it's a different world out there, right? To get someone to move, let alone move within the same city to a different property. But I mean, we would go all over the place. You know, it's true. And we've had some dialogue lately. Do we, do we think that's changing a little bit? And we have found that it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone for an adventure might be up for a move. I mean, mm -hmm. we've talked to younger people just entering, they'd say, no, I'd move there. And we've got, we've gotten so out of the habit of asking because nobody ever wanted to move, particularly for a company like ours that's so heavily weighted in, in California and Southern California, you know, I mean, we have people that don't really want to move, but, but I, I don't know, I see that changing a little bit, but you're right. I, I recently had to, you know, when we go into new markets and new places, I have to fill out the liquor license forms mm -hmm. for the hotels and I have to get fingerprinted and I have to list all my last personal reference, uh, personal where I've lived. It's two pages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell them to sit back. You'll be a while. <laughs> Honey, did we live? <laughs> The, now, back to your property experiences, was there a favorite location, favorite, you know, job within the, when you, before you got into the corporate world, Yes. was there a favorite property that you just look back fondly or, you know, that property where, hey, I still stay in touch, like 1985, I still stay in touch with three of those managers from the Sheraton Halifax on a very routine basis. Right, right. I think there's a lot of them, right? I mean, and for us in the role that we're in, that I'm in now, and I travel around the country, it is amazing how often I go back to nearby, looking at a hotel, maybe same hotel I worked in, you know, 20 years ago or a competitor. I'm like, oh, it all comes flooding back. I remember this account or this situation, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. But I think, you know, for me, I... I spent some time at Marriott's Camelback Inn in Scottsdale, which is just a beautiful resort and had a tremendous legacy. And the Marriott family was very involved with it. And that was uh, that was a very formative experience for me. I really admired the property and it, and it had a big impact. And, and the Marriott connection was, was very positive. But I have to say, my most formative years, to, to your specific question, I moved in after four or five moves in a very short amount of time into New Orleans in 1990. And I assumed I was going to be moving on in 1991. <laughs> I was in New Orleans for 10 years. Oh, wow. Unexpectedly and just kind of kept moving up into these positions like we talked about. And that was a really special time for me. It was a heyday of convention business in New Orleans. Convention business really buttered the bread of the city we could you know leverage anything in the city we could get into the best restaurants take care of clients all over the place we could do all this stuff and uh, and yet we worked around the clock you know mm -hmm. we did you know a couple hundred thousand group room nights the mardi gras super bowls final fours it was just an amazing time and and i i look back i think i'm still recuperating from being tired from those 10 years and but there were some wonderful people i still go to new orleans i will go find you know i've been out of new orleans now 20 years 
whenever I go, which is pretty routinely because I love the city. Mm -hmm. The bellmen are still there. The doormen are still there. You know, the PBX operator is still there. You know, I mean, I will go in and see them and, and say hello and, and I'll see the people around town. You yeah. know, the, it's the same hostess at the restaurant two doors down. <laughs> that so, is awesome. so even in the local community, so New Orleans really had that impact for me and was just an absolute treasure of an experience for me. Yeah. I mean, the other good thing too, I've always noticed with the amount of travel we did moving, you know, as we all came up the ranks, we we're traveling all over the place. And then with the new builds assignment and everything, there's very few cities in America that I can go to and not know somebody to have dinner with, right. which is, which is always great. Cause there's always somebody that's there. Now I'm not saying I'm going to go to, to say Topeka, Kansas and no offense to the one listener in Topeka, Kansas, but <laughs> you know, but most of the major cities you go, you're going to know somebody because everybody kind of moved around so much. And so that's always been a, a great thing in my mind, traveling. I agree with you. And, you know, like you, I have, I have children and, and my, my two older children, I'm often getting the random call, you know, dad, you know, we're going to some place, you know, can, can you get us, you know, yeah. dad's in the hotel business. Can you, can you get, I'm like, hold on, let me think. Oh yeah. My buddy Brian's there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so there's a connectedness, um, an informal connectedness, definitely across the country of people and hotels and people that have moved around. That is, that is, I think kind of unique and special. I mean, it's something that that I have really grown to appreciate over my career that, you know, you know, these folks and, and, you know, we probably forget more often that we know somebody in that town, yeah. you know, than, than we should, but I think it's a, a great network for sure. Yeah, me too. So, so you're with Marriott for a good number of years and there's a huge advantage and sense of security when you're with a, a major company like that. Then you, for whatever reason, venture out into the third party world. And for those of you who are listening that aren't in the hotel business, that means you're no longer working for a hotel that's owned and managed by the parent company. You're managing it for the owner as a third party operator. And it is tough work. I mean, I don't know how you guys do it. And I went back and that's when I joined you guys and realized, wow, I'm really not good enough to do this. But so what prompted that? Because I get the same question when people look at my resume, they say, wait a minute, you left Four Seasons Hotels to work at Interstate and Interstate's a phenomenal company, great company, but it's a different company that's and right. people have a hard time. And if I did my homework, right, I think you left Marriott to go to Sage, right? I think that's, that's right. And Sage is an awesome company. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So it was interesting. I grew up, I spent 18 years with Marriott and grew up in this managed operating world with the Marriott team. I'm extremely proud of those Marriott years and the training that, that I received. And I feel like it just balanced me out for my career. At the time that it came in, we had gone to, I think, a national meeting and someone inadvertently put a slide up. They were showing slides of the company growth, Marriott company growth. <clears throat> and, you know, we're going to have this many thousands of hotels open at this time. Maybe we were hundreds back then. I don't know, but, but it was definitely approaching thousands, getting very big. 
And then they put up a slide of the number of franchise managed hotels. And something happened on stage and the slide came down very quickly. And I don't <laughs> think they were supposed to present the franchise managed <laughs> thing because at the time we were all drinking the Marriott Kool-Aid. We're in management forever. You know, that we will retire in Marriott. And I came back and I said, did you see that slide? And you know, virtually no one in the room was like, no, I, huh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost interest when the bar charts came up. Yeah. The slide clearly showed that the franchised component of the company is going in a completely bigger, faster perspective. And I really, at the time, had to sit back and say, well, what does that really mean? What's going on? And Marriott was in the early stages of going from an owned, managed, or just managed company. And it was moving towards this more of you know, what I would call today a kind of a royalty branded model. And we saw it on that stage, you know, 1990, early 2000s. And I don't think anyone really, we didn't, we didn't even know that that was kind of our horizon. And so I started asking questions, you know, is this really, the, I mean, is that the growth? What is this franchise model look like? Am I looking at this business the wrong way? Mm -hmm. And um, I'd gone through uh, a number, you know, a few more moves, was ready to move i'd moved into some regional roles for marriott and a really good friend of mine i don't know if by chance you've ever had the privilege of meeting a guy named brad robinette he was a 30-year guy with with marriott but he 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 had retired from marriott and went and went to sage hmm. and he's just somebody that i would go have coffee with and you know great career mentor you know super guy great advice and we just kind of started talking at the time and you know, I, I don't think it's fair to say I was confused, but I didn't see the growth. I, I saw that the Marriott managed piece was going to diminish mm -hmm. over time and that there was a, a way for me to learn more about the business in a different way. And that was ultimately what led to the move to Sage. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And Sage has gone on to do some really cool things. And so, but, but fast forward to you now to evolution. And as I said, headquartered in San Clemente company founded by a young guy at the time, John Murphy, and otherwise in the industry known as Murph and he's moved on, but you know, one of the things, and I've had the pleasure of working with you guys for a very short time, too short a time, but again, I wasn't good enough to do the third party stuff. It was just too much hard work, but it's one of the companies where one of the impressive things, one of the many impressive things was the guiding principles, right? And you hear so much about companies saying they manage by the guiding principles. I think in my life, and I'm an old guy, that Evolution was, was and is the only company I've ever seen that actually walks the talk. I mean, there were what, 18 or 19 guiding principles? I mean, two of them stick in my mind to this day you know, I think one of them is test it, don't be afraid to fail, and exactly. practicing uh, random acts of kindness, which I kind of tie into the Tuesday thanks. So a phenomenal company. You've been in there for how many years now? I'm coming up on eight years. Eight years. And I remember when I was there, and this is a perfect story about third-party operators, we hit 50 hotels twice. <laughs> and We're now at 100 and going back and forth. <laughs> and, and and it was great because you guys, I think you and Murph 
put together. We were, uh, you gave out these, not North, it was it North Face or what's the other company? Uh, That's right, Patagonia. Patagonia, which I still have, I still wear. Good. And it was, you know, congratulations on the fifth. And I think that we had a little bit of a joke, like a couple of days later, we said, okay, we're going to get them another one. And, that, and, and for those listening, it's because we have helped many of our ho hotel owners successfully sell their hotel. We exactly. And that's, them, but. and that's the big deal with third-party operating companies because you're managing for owners and they turn the properties over and you just never know. And it's tough. So ironically, and, when we do our best work, yeah, sometimes we lose the business. Yeah, because you make the asset, you get, you know, you make the asset more valuable and they can turn around and sell it and it's, and it's tough, but exactly right. Wow. That's uh. so what's going on at evolution, anything new and exciting on the horizon other than just the continued growth? Cause you've doubled in size since I was there. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I appreciated you bringing up the guiding principles and, and before we move off that, that, that's such a critical part of the organization. And, and you, we often hold those guiding principles up. You know, we've had a few times where a GM will, will, will copy them off and hand them out to everybody and say, carry them with you. Like, like we're going to come in and spot check somebody and, you know, do you know yeah. all the game? And it's not that, you know, what we really try to instill in people is, is actually thinking and leading with the guiding principles. And I always, you know, share the story about a GM I had once that was having a, a tough situation, did not deal with it, looked to me for an SOP and he said, what would you do? And I said, well, I don't know. How about the guiding principle listen go in and talk to the to the group and hear them out and start there and they're like oh so you really mean like live by these guiding principles and so we really do try to to live by them and you know we're not perfect but but they're very important. what's going on in evolution well you know in 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 2015 we were acquired by ambridge hospitality and became the uh, wholly owned subsidiary of ambridge hospitality we had the second wave marketing team that was kind of a distinguishing factor for us and we've really grown out our food and beverage capabilities over that time and so we've really grown into the lifestyle operator for the company and so if somebody's developing a an independent hotel, an autograph, a curio, a tapestry tribute, Kempton, you know, all those kind of lifestyle-esque assets, then then we are tasked with going and trying to earn that business and then managing it if, if, we, if we get it into the portfolio. And so we've really grown out those capabilities and we continue to focus on that as we grow. As I mentioned, you know, we're approaching uh, 100 hotels. I think we closed out last year at about 92. And we will do the exact same thing that we're, we just talked about at 100. We'll, we'll go back and forth over 100 for a while. But but the portfolio continues to really change and, and go from kind of that West Coast mix thing. We're now kind of spreading across the country. We've moved into Canada. I think, you know, we managed the West and Whistler up in British Columbia. We acquired uh, Bell Star Hotels and Resorts in Alberta and British Columbia. And so we continue to expand and improve on those capabilities. And so I think now for us, you know, it's, it's, it is about growing, but it's also about shifting and being that premier leader in this lifestyle space as we keep going ahead. Yeah. Well, you do a great job. I mean, I, with the independence and those soft brands, I, I really don't think there's a better, you know, third party operator out there for, for those type of things. You've been specializing in them for a long, long time. So I appreciate it. It's it's hard work. Someone actually asked me that the other day and I said, well, it is that space when we're when we're leveraging all the facets with our team 
and we're performing well operationally, but able to use all those creative juices. That, that's when our team really, I think, is at their at their best. Yeah, I was always impressed with having, you know, I'm assuming it's still in-house in San Clemente, but the second wave marketing was, That's right. you know, Christy did just a, a fantastic job with that group and Eric and all the all the gang. So. And they've grown, you know, I, geez, I mean, we now have probably 30 people in there. Oh, wow. Graphic artists, digital specialists, copywriters, web content, SEO folks, you know, marketing account managers, they, they are cream of the crop. They're, they're yeah. amazing. And so we're, we're very privileged to, to have that team. That's awesome. Well, listen, it's, it's Tuesday and for the theme of the show and the theme of everything else, Tuesday is when we give thanks to people who have helped us or made an impact in our career as we've come through the ranks. So I wanted to give you the opportunity to see if there was somebody you wanted to extend some special thanks to. You know, I've got a few folks, Brian, and, and I appreciate it. I love this program. And, you know, for me, you know, kind of going in a little bit of a chronological order, I was always very grateful for that Marriott experience. And I really do attribute that to Bill Marriott, the family. They were around. We met with them often. And they set a tone and a culture of servant leadership that I believe set me up very successfully for a, a long career. I, I am I'm so grateful for the Marriott family and all of the great leaders that I had at Marriott. When I spent those formative years in New Orleans, I worked for a a real maverick at the time, a guy named Steve Sharple, who was an amazing leader and was, you know, just he a visionary in many respects. He was oddly cumbersome around people sometimes. He was a brilliant guy and, and was hysterical and someone I loved very much. And what I loved about him is he was unabashed about giving you feedback. He ripped the Band-Aid off. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, hey, well, here's the great thing about you. You know, the thing I admire about you is you wear your emotion on your sleeve. Will, one of the worst things about <laughs> you is that you wear your emotion on your sleeve. <laughs> just, just great stuff early in my career at a formative time that really helped shift and make me think about my approach, my leadership. I was driving too hard, thinking I, you know, was so confident, you know, kind of pushing things around and, and, you know, he really put me on a much steadier and more balanced path. And, and I appreciate that. When I joined evolution, one of the guiding principles we have at evolution is give feedback immediately and ex accept feedback openly. Well, when you read that, when you're coming into an organization, you kind of think to yourself, that's really good. I'll brush up on giving that feedback promptly and I won't let it build up and and i'll kind of do that well I, as you recall when you walk into evolution the feedback to you starts coming very fast yes very <laughs> fast and, and and i think at about 10 or 11 months in murph I, I sat down with him and i'm like i have taken a lot of feedback openly <laughs> <laughs> I, I may be ready to start moving out of the accepting feedback 
always mode and and moving forward a little bit. And it was a real moment in in my career. So long story short, you know, at a point in my career when I felt like my leadership skills had been tested and proven already, I still had the opportunity to continue to grow. And this team at Evolution gave me that opportunity to do that by giving a lot of feedback and, and you know, frankly, telling me, you know, that was a horrible job in that meeting <laughs> or whatever it was. And they really pushed me through it. So I'm very grateful to the evolution team. And then uh, finally, uh, of course, Murph or John Murphy, as you call, mm -hmm. what a, an amazing human and guide of somebody that sees through the weeds, forces you to think larger than you are thinking today and pushes you to perform at a different level and not accept, not accept mediocrity. And, you know, Hey, it's your responsibility. If you got a problem, take it, let's figure it out, stop everything. And there's, you know, Murph would often say, you know, sometimes you got to drop the fire hose and go kill the arson. And yeah. Murph has a great speed with that. And has been a great mentor and someone I'm very grateful for personally and professionally. Yeah. Those are, those are great, um, stories. I mean, just on the feedback thing, I, uh, as it relates to coming fast, I think I had been there maybe a week and one of my properties was the Mission Valley Marriott. And so I drove down for a meeting and again, now I forget what my title was. It was vice president of ops or whatever. And we, we go, I go to the meeting and what you would call in the world, a junior manager was attending the meeting and we were talking through some things and halfway through a break in the meeting this individual i'll never forget he, he came up to me and he said you know brian i know you're new but i really think you're pushing us a little too hard and a little too fast we need to go a little slower on this because you need to help educate us on this and blah 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 and that in all my life had never happened where a you know the first meeting with the new quote unquote vp in the room came right up and felt totally comfortable <laughs> and, and, you know, at, at when, I, when I picked up my coffee from the floor, I said, okay, that's fine. That's and, right. And I forget, I forget who I was with. They, they kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, we do do the feedback thing. We are very serious about that. And I said, no, it's, it's all good. He, he, I, he was so brave to do that. I would spend the rest of the day explaining to him what I wanted if I had to. It's a gift, right? I mean, you're, you're first taken aback and same thing, you know, I, yeah, I can tell you countless stories, you know, when I first got in and, and, and it ends up being a gift. And I don't know about you, Brian, but, you know, when I was a young leader, everything was to me about being smarter, harder, being bulletproof, knowing all the answers. And, you know, as I've, you know, matured in the industry, it's all about being vulnerable. Yep. How vulnerable is that person? You know, like you were vulnerable enough to say thank you and listen <clears throat> and, and coming from an environment where that was, you know, less likely the case and you were able to make that transition and, and that's, and that's kudos to you, but a lot of people can't and it's hard. And so <clears throat> for me, I, I prize that vulnerability so much more today than, than I ever would have imagined. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on earth, I mean, agree, you know, there's, there's no better guy. I mean, I remember having conversations with him over dinner, over lunch, 
not even realizing that we were talking about the issue that we were trying to fix because of the way he he looked at things so differently. But at the end of but but at the end of the lunch, you would say, "Oh, all right, so this is what we're going to do." And it was it was it was pretty amazing to to see that talent to be able to look at it because him and I grew up in the industry together. He was a GM at the Sheraton Gainesville, and I was at the Sheraton Suites Tampa in Florida when we were both with Starwood and we used to laugh at each other because we tried to figure out whose hotel was the biggest dump you know, <laughs> and, until he, he finally won because he said, see that fence? I said, yeah. He goes, well, that fence keeps the alligators away. So I said, all right, you win. That's great. So, so he won that argument, but, but, you know, but listen, I've taken a lot of your time and I can't thank you enough, but there is one thing I have to ask because I don't think, I don't think we ever talked about this when we were together. And again, my stalking of you, AKA my research, reminded me to ask you about the FBI Citizens Academy graduate. Yeah. What was that about? So I served on the Colorado, the Mile High, Lacrosse, Mile High Red Cross board for many years. And one of the other board members was heavily engaged in the FBI thing, FBI group and supporting the FBI and mentioned to me a FBI Citizens Academy program that he had recently gone through. And the only way to get into the program is to be recommended or endorsed by somebody that's gone through it. Simply put, it's a program, it's an outreach program by the FBI and they go out and they they'll round up. I mean, I think our group was probably 20 folks. And it's primarily the FBI is trying to reach out and find people in industries that they need information. Okay. So I was a hotel person, which, you know, was had some intrigue for the FBI. And, and there was a number of people, surprisingly, that were in the water management business, you know, public waterways and things mm -hmm. like that higher education, mortgage broking, you know, like things like this. So if something came up and they were doing an investigation, they have kind of an informal network to reach out and say, Hey, mortgage broker, does this process look normal? Or, you know, like just somebody that they could reach into, into the industry. And so the program, if I go back, I think it, you know, it was probably a 10 week program. We went through FBI processes, training. We, we had, we had weapons training. We had hostage wow. training. We did crisis hostage negotiations. We, their simulators, we did a lot of, you know, arriving on a scene where you would, you would go into these simulated areas, carrying a weapon and a, a scene would unfold in front of you and you had to react. And then they would, they would send in after you would react and do your your the shooting and the scene that the the SWAT team would come in and evaluate your your shooting effectiveness. The legal group from the FBI would come in and determine were you on proper legal grounds for what you did, and overall they would end up kind of rating you, you know, on how you did on that. But it was a fabulous program. I was I was very privileged to have gone through it, and I'm still connected with the organization today and, and wow. stay, stay involved. So I've never been called on. I you know, yeah, I, you know, gone to a couple of events that they've had in the past where they'll bring in a 
you know, a DEA speaker or, you know, somebody to inform us on things. But, but it was, it was a really very, very cool experience. That is unbelievable. Now, I guess the big question is, did it ever, did you get a flip ID card and did it ever get you out of a speeding ticket? <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, I did get a cool FBI <laughs> bag. <laughs> oh, there you go. Good enough. Oh, that's too funny. Well, listen, Will, this has been a blast for me. Thank you so much. Again, I know how busy you are and with everything going on and thank you for taking the time. And, and then on the Tuesday Thanks theme, thanks for your welcome to me at evolution was wonderful and you you know brought me in there and it really took me under your wings there so that was great when you were the coo and so i can't thank you enough for that so i'm going to wish you the best and uh, hopefully we'll be able to catch each other some city as we're traveling around this great country i can't wait to see you brian and pleasure's all mine it's great seeing you and getting caught up cool thanks so much hey take care you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate it if you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career please reach out to me via our tuesday thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com remember a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day so until next time be well be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.